Rashtuni Radio presents The American Indian, a standing indictment against Christianity and statism in America, by R.J. Rashtuni, narrated by Robert Halliday, produced with permission by the Calcedon Foundation. Chapter 8 Alcoholism and Permissiveness in my first chapter, I referred to Indian education in the days before the coming of the white man. The rigors of Indian life meant that over the generations, those unable to survive were weeded out. The hardiness of the older Indians was remarkable, and also their level of intelligence was high. Indian problems were created by the lack of discipline and chastisement of the children. The tribal pattern remained unchallenged, generation after generation. Among the intermountain tribes, those between the Rockies and the Sierra Nevada, the essential group was the band of 15 to 20 people. There was no competing lifestyle for Indian children, no inducement other than the family pattern. Children were not spanked or subjected to any discipline other than the disciplines of survival, food gathering, and at times battle. As these children early gained superb skills, I was regularly amazed at the abilities of boys in craft and survival. I remember once when two young boys, about eight and ten years old, went deer hunting. When they had not yet returned after 9pm, I voiced my concern. But their grandparents laughed at me. The boys had left at dawn, on horseback, with a third horse to carry the meat. It was their first hunting trip alone. I drove to the foot of the mountain area where they had gone, hoping to see them before going to bed. It was close to 10pm when I heard them coming. They got their deer early, skinned it, cut up the meat after cooling it in a stream, and only then started for home. They were amazed that I was worried about them. How could they get lost? If they only dropped the reins, the horses would head for home. A great deal of common sense marked these people. Their weakness was willpower in the face of temptation, because the child was indulged when hungry, or whenever the child demanded something. The child did not cry. He or she had nothing to cry about. Denying or spanking a child, as white Americans did, struck the Indians as heartless. Christian Indians who chastised their children angered their non-Christian relatives. In brief, the child was never frustrated. In Christian civilization, the basic pattern of child-rearing has required frustrating the child's self-will and teach in conformity to godly standards in society. The premise for this has been the fall of man. The child is therefore born a sinner, seeking his self-will, and desiring gratification. Child training seeks to Christianize and civilize the baby so that it might grow into godly adulthood. The newborn baby is both helpless and anarchistic by nature. The parents lovingly train the child into godly habits. B. 
because the Indian child's rearing was permissive, the Indian child was not used to the frustrations normal to a Christian child's upbringing. The Christian child learns early that there is a pattern to society that requires obedience, conformity, and respect. Lacking this disciplined and purposive training, the Indian child finds life full of frustrations. Overwhelmed, he turns early to liquor and native drugs. As a result, he is unable to develop his often remarkable abilities. Having had a permissive upbringing, he finds life's frustrations overwhelming. He has not learned how to say no to himself or to others. To illustrate, a truly beautiful young Indian woman, after a dance and a few drinks, was persuaded to submit to sexual intercourse. Before this, she had been chased. The young man then urged her to accommodate his friends, fifteen or more of them. She did, unhappily, and went on a drinking binge lasting many days. This young woman was legally an Indian. In reality, she was more than a little white. I perhaps looked more Indian than she did. Her features and complexion would have identified her in any city as probably an Anglo-Saxon. Her problem was not Indian blood. Indian alcoholism has its roots in two facts. First, the permissive character of Indian child-rearing gives the young a proneness to drinking as an escape from life's frustrations. Second, certain races have apparently a genetic inability to assimilate alcoholic beverages, whereas others have no such problems. Others who have difficulties with liquor are Northern European peoples. After the end of World War II, and especially after 1953, when I returned to California and white society, I saw the rise of permissive child-rearing, and I knew then that white American youth would have serious problems with drinking and drugs. Since then, of course, both liquor and drugs, plus permissive sexuality, have proliferated. Having been reared permissively, Americans cannot take frustrations. Life, however, is constantly full of frustrations. These can be met with a flight into liquor, sex, and drugs, or they can be seen as means whereby we learn and grow. Since my years at Oahe, the reservation has gained the unhappy distinction of having the highest suicide rate in the United States. There is, of course, and has been for years, a high rate of suicide among certain tribes, like the Oriental cultures, which stress face, so too many Indians represent face cultures. This trait predisposes them to suicide. However, a major factor in the late 20th century is the inability to cope. At the same time, suicide has increased greatly among white American youth. In part, this is a byproduct of death education in the state schools. Even more, I suspect it is due to young Americans' inability to accept frustration and to grow because of it. At one time, the major reason for alcoholism had other sources. Among white Americans prior to 1950, 
A false perfectionism was often a cause even of suicide. Many people wanted their lives to conform to rigid expectations. If their jobs, families, or anything else failed to meet their severe requirements, they fell apart. I recall one beautiful young woman, married to a successful man, and the mother of two young girls, who required everything around her to resemble a store's show window or an art exhibit. Every room in her spacious house seemed ready for a photographer to chronicle her gracious living. When the girls came home from school and her husband from his office, she hovered over them to pick up and put away the newspaper, school books and toys. The husband added a recreation room to the house as a place for casual living. The wife at once took charge of the room to make it also a picture-perfect place. Disagreement with her rigid and regimented government of the house and the family caused her headaches, as probably would have Christianity. There is a relationship between permissiveness and false perfectionism. In both cases, people want the world on their terms. One intelligent but alcoholic young Indian man rejected, without any hesitation, all external standards and requirements, in two words. Why anything? As a broken culture, Indian life was without the presuppositions which are normally basic to life. Many Indians were far better practicing existentialists than Jean-Paul Sartre. Why anything? Sums up the problem of many Indians, as well as the general white American culture.